0: You are listening to the Speak podcast. The podcast featuring talks from Speak, a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories, produced by Launchpad 516
1: Studios.
2: Welcome to the Speak podcast, produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms
0: speak is a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories each speak talk features three key moments the moment of truth the moment of transformation and the moment of impact we host pop-up events all over the world and now we are bringing our talks to your device our speakers are stepping onto the stage and into the spotlight and now onto this podcast welcome to the show Welcome to another episode of The Speak Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, George Andriopoulos, the architect and one of the co-leaders here at Speak. Today's micro theme is unrelenting adversity, where we look at three published speakers who gave incredible Speak talks at recent pop-up events relating to adversity and how hard it tries to keep us down. So let's dive into this episode and get started. Our first talk today comes from Dr. Perul Dua Makar, who spoke at Speak Heritage in July of 2023 in Levittown, New York. As a modern day nomad making sense of her identity in constant moves across five countries, Dr. Perul Dua Makar relied on her true north, her grandparents' home, a place she visited often in her youth. As she lost her grandparents and their home, she also lost something more something unforeseen and unimaginable. Slowly, she makes sense of her reality and found her definition of home and learned to ground herself again. Without further ado, here's Dr. Parul Makar with Finding My Way Home.
2: I consider myself a modern-day nomad. I was born in India, but raised in five different countries, countless cities. Home has never been a location, but it is filled with memories of where I was with my core family, of my parents, my younger brother, and I. I've changed countless apartments, have had friendships lost and found, been constantly on the move, and have met people of all different walks of life, lived in places with different religions, different way of living, a different standard of life. But in all my travels, we would always visit home my maternal grandparents' home in India. And during my formative years, we would travel back every summer and I would be filled with all the love at D240 Shastri Nagar. This home was what grounded me. This is where my roots were. This was the home where my younger brother and I would fly kites up on the rooftops with our cousins, get drenched in the monsoon wedding season, This is where I would hear my grandmother getting ready to cook our favorite dishes. It smells in the kitchen. She would volunteer me, unknowing to me, into the garden to help out with um, her plants, her trees. Manu and I would spend hours churning um, the cream of the unpasteurized milk into white butter, and it's delicious. We would hear Bollywood music streaming through everywhere. We would learn the Bollywood music, the dances, the latest fashion, go shopping. I would hear my grandfather give us history lessons of the partition between India and and Pakistan. This home was filled with my mom's paintings. It was filled with all the grandkids as we were growing up, our photographs and albums of yesteryears. This was the focal point where all my cousins, my uncles, and aunts would gather and we would celebrate life. This place was a sanctuary of sorts for my parents and my brother and I. And I knew, no matter how much time I'd spent away from it, or how long it had been since I got home, I would always be greeted with a tangible love of my grandparents. And my grandfather would write to me wherever I was in the world. And I would get excited that here comes a letter with a return address of D240, Nagar. Because I knew it carried his love, and I knew it carried tidbits of how life was changing. And over the years, as the letters grew shorter in length and further apart, I knew another change was coming. And I was okay with it. I knew this was a circle of life, And when my grandparents passed away, I wasn't there in person, but I had said goodbye to them in my mind. That was their time to move on and they had led beautiful long lives. And I had made peace with it. A sibling is a friend for life. Somebody who lays witness to a life you once had. For me, my younger brother was my companion through my travels of my nomadic journey through moving from deserts into snow-covered mountains from plus 45 degrees to negative 45 degrees Celsius. He got me. When he was diagnosed at the age of 32 with oral cancer, I expected him to live. It was my job to protect him and his to outlive me and tell my stories at my funeral, not the other way around. When he passed away at the age of 34, and my grandparents passed away within the same year. Their loss was compounded. I lost my identity as an only, as from an older sister to an only child. That home that housed all these memories, that was the focal point and that rooted us was sold. And as I sat down and erased my grandparents' address and my brother's address, I erased a part of me, my sense of family, my home, an essence of who I was and the grief was compounded. When you go through grief your mind doesn't know what your body has been through. It kind of hits you a little bit afterwards. I did not get a chance to take my brother shopping for items for his new house. I went shopping to pick out a casket for where he was going to be cremated in. I did not get to go buy a Sarah, which is a um, a head piece at the time of the wedding where the groom uh, gets to put on by his sister. Instead, I picked his suit that he was gonna be cremated in. I didn't get to cradle his babies. I cradled his ashes. My kids did not get to perform the latest Bollywood songs at his wedding And I did not get to write a speech to embarrass him at his wedding. I wrote a eulogy, and my kids performed for his celebration of life. And I had to tell these kids that this is the circle of life, that we are not guaranteed how much time we are given to spend with someone, and that time is a most precious commodity, and to be wise who and how you spend time with. I felt angry at God for what I felt betrayed. Instead, I turned to the universe. I cried into it, I yelled into it, and I whispered into it. Eventually, my parents, my husband, my kids, released Manu's ashes back into the universe, releasing Manu into the elements of fire, earth, wind, and water, and his soul to another journey. And through all my travels, through all the people I've met, what I've realized, is that that through the trials and tribulations of life, through all of it, the core of it, is your family. And family doesn't have to be just blood. And that we're all similar, we may be different in certain ways, but in the end, we're really all similar, and love unites us all. And that all the grief that I felt was all the love that I have, And now I still ride the waves of grief day by day. At times it hits me hard like a tsunami taking my breath away. And at times its flow of gentle tears, and times its flicker of happy memories. I have made peace with it, and I have accepted it as the universe has allowed me to. But now I create a new home, laying new roots, creating a new family, retaining of whatever I have learned in my nomadic journey, and whatever I remember of the days of my youth at D240 Schassenegger, into my children and into the future generation. Thank you.
0: What an incredible talk, and of course, Perul came to us from our channel partner, The Big Talk and Trisha Brooke who did an incredible job working with Perul on this talk I met Perul a couple of years earlier as she had applied to another event that I was producing at the time, but the fit just wasn't quite right for that particular event. When Trisha nominated her for a position at Speak Heritage, I knew this would be an excellent fit as Perul was determined to tell the story of her brother that had passed away a few years earlier. Thank you so much, Perul, for this incredible talk and your incredible vulnerability. Our next talk for the day comes from Suzanne Dunn, who spoke at Speak Shelter on October 25th, 2020. 23 in New York City, New York In 2015, Suzanne Dunn embarked on a remarkable journey Leaving Miami to relocate to New York City Driven by faith and the pursuit of her passion for jewelry design Despite having no permanent home She discovered that the concept of shelter extended beyond the physical Encompassing the support of her family, faith, and the intangible over several years of trials and challenges including a stay in a New York City homeless shelter, Suzanne found resilience and growth and ultimately learned the true meaning of gratitude in a very unexpected place. Here's Suzanne Dunn with Unveiling the Power of Shelter, a journey of faith.
3: Picture it. Miami International Airport 2015. I was being pushed in a wheelchair with my two-week-old son in my hands, in my arms, and my three-year-old clutching his um, favorite Ninja Turtle, Michelangelo, <laughs> um, my eldest, who was then seven, had already left Miami with his grandmother two weeks prior. Armed with fifty dollars in my pocket, fifteen years of memories, and a knowing, a true knowing that God had ordered my steps. I took the biggest leap of faith, and I relocated to New York City, and I loved it. Returning to New York City would be a chance for me to raise my children and to take my love of jewelry design to another level in a city and a place that I loved. The interesting thing about that is that I had no home. You see, just based on a word from God, I had moved my kids, my three kids and myself, to one of the most expensive cities in the United States without a clue as to where we were moving to. (laughs) I mean, I knew that we were going to be spending some time with my uncle and his, his, um, his family in their home until I found a home, but as to how long that was going to be, I had no clue. As to where I was going to get the money from to pay for the home, I had no clue. But again, you know, armed with my $50 and a word from God, I took the leap of faith. So it was in that tiny, tiny, very tiny living room that had now doubled as a bedroom for my three kids and myself, that I realized that shelter that is commonly known or thought of as a physical space can actually be something tangible, intangible. It can be an emotion, it can be a feeling. Shelter can be the warm hug or the warm smile of a relative just at the time when you think that all is lost. Shelter can also be that verse of scripture written on the side of a reusable shopping bag that reminds you that God has promised that he'd strengthen you and he'd be with you wherever you go. A shelter covers, it protects. After about three months of being in that living room, uh, by a miracle of God, we were able to move out and into someplace else that we thought was going to be, or we hoped, was going to be at least our home for five years. That, however, didn't work that way. Two years later, and one divorce, two years and one divorce later, I found myself and my kids once more without a shelter. The physical type. But, I knew that God had said he would never leave me nor forsake me. And so, I kept searching. So after three months, we found that place, we moved in, um, we realized that that wasn't going to be, and when we actually, after the divorce, I, it was a complete change in our lifestyle because the kids would not have had any more piano lessons, they wouldn't have martial arts lessons, they wouldn't have music lessons, it was going to be a change in our lifestyles. And. After looking and looking for a while, I finally met a gentleman who had an illegal basement to rent, that he offered to rent me. There were two two catches, however. Number one, it was being rented more than the market value of a legal basement. And number two, I had to move in with no furniture. Because it was illegal, he says I couldn't move in with any furniture. I would only have access to a few things that were in the apartment, inclusive of two inflatable beds. So I'm sure someone tonight might be thinking, why? Like, why would you even consider that? My simple answer to that one is because I needed shelter for my three small kids. Uh, I remember in that basement, one of my proudest memories in that basement was when I launched my fine jewelry brand, Suzanne Dunn Jewelry. I remember the excitement. I remember the excitement when I pressed that go live button on the website and I also remember a tremendous feeling of gratitude. Gratitude to that shelter, gratitude to that basement because it was there that I had grown. It was there that God had hidden me and he had stretched me at times when I thought I would have broken but I didn't. It was in that basement, that shelter, that I was a dream. I was able to give birth to a dream that the world had many times tried to abort. But it's here, though, that I should remind you of that old saying that says, be careful of what you ask for. For the three years that we had been, we had been there, every week I would look for, I would go out looking for an apartment. But because of New York City and a lot of red tape and just their ridiculous, ridiculous renting requirements, I could never seem to meet it. And also coming from a one uh, one-income household, I just couldn't afford it. And so that's when I decided to pray the craziest prayer of my life. And that was, Lord, by any means necessary, get us out of here. <laughs> and he heard and he answered. <laughs> so one Sunday morning, <laughs> There was a flood. There was a flood in the basement, Uh, a a mysterious flood in the basement (laughs) that took us to uh, a hotel for three nights. And while I was there, the landlord sent me a text and he said, Well, unfortunately, you're not able to return because of the extensive damage. So here I am. In three days, I lost my shelter and I'm now officially homeless in New York City with three small children. Shelter. A, pl- a temporary place that offers <coughs> protection from danger and bad, bad, bad temperature, bad weather. <laughs> I remember the day that we moved into the New York City Housing Shelter. It was it was a day that I'd never forget. We arrived at the processing Youth center about seven about seven o'clock, seven p.m. and after being moved from office to office and filling out hundreds of papers and answering hundreds of questions. I remember the overwhelming feeling of loss and disappointment, disappointment in myself. What was happening? How could this have happened to me? What was I doing? And more so, what was I doing to my kids? But I remember that God had told me to trust him. And so I took a deep breath and I trusted him. And after what felt like an eternity, We were then assigned a unit, a home. But it was in the Bronx. The Bronx? My kids go to school in Brooklyn. I work in Brooklyn. Was there nothing closer? All right, no problem, Suzanne. Trust the process, trust the process. (laughs) (laughs) So then I, I remember the drive, the drive to the apartment, that was crazy. It was a 20 minute drive that felt like it was taking for hours. And then there were the questions. Would there be another family living in the unit? Was there going to be the word shelter on the door? Were my kids going to be safe? Was somebody going to say the word shelter around my kids? The 20-minute drive was torture. We finally got to the apartment. Well, we finally got to the family shelter, the apartment, uh, about 3 a.m. And the representative, He opened the door, flicked the hallway light on, and then it happened. After three years, three years of sleeping on mattresses on the floor, three years of me promising my kids beds and rooms, three years of me feeling disappointed in myself as a mother, as a provider, I exhaled. As we moved further in the the apartment, I saw one bedroom, two bedrooms, and they had beds. My kids would be able to sleep in beds after three years. God had heard my prayer and He had answered. I must say, though, that that gratitude didn't last for long. Um, I put my kids to bed, and then while I was laying in my bed, I was sobbing and just fighting back fears and, and, and or fighting back feelings of disappointment and. Loss, and embarrassment, and grief, and fear. Fear of the future, fear of what people would say when they heard what I had allowed to happen to myself and my kids. And I must have fallen asleep at some point because my six-year-old came running into the room screaming, Mommy, it's snowing! Mommy, it's snowing! And I couldn't really understand why he was so excited. So, you know, I asked. (laughs) And his answer that he gave would change my life forever. He said, Mommy, it's snowing. I can see the clean snow coming from the sky. Because remember, when we were in the basement, we could only see the snow after it hit the ground and when everybody had trampled on it. So it was dirty. We could only see dirty snow from the basement. Now I can see clean snow coming from the sky. And he said, "And Mommy, look, the window is so big, I can see the sky. That conversation with my then six-year-old not only changed my life forever, it taught me the real meaning of gratitude. And you know what? That all happened by the window of a New York City homeless shelter. That shelter, that was a time that I knew that my life, our lives had changed for the better. That is when I knew that that flood that I could have seen as a disaster was actually a blessing in disguise. It was a heralding of a new season. That shelter sheltered us from the rain, from the snow, from the New York City heat. I actually designed my second second fine jewelry collection in that shelter. My oldest son studied hard in that shelter. He studied so hard he was awarded a full scholarship to a boarding high school in that shelter. We baked cookies, we played games in that shelter. We grew, we laughed, we loved in that shelter. And when it had given all that it could, after eight months, eight months, eight being the number of new beginnings, it blessed us with a place that we could call home. Thank you everyone, have a good evening.
0: That was Suzanne Dunn with Unveiling the Power of Shelter, A Journey of Faith suzanne brought down the house at speak shelter which was at the Laurie beachman theater and that event was produced by meredith Grundy, our first ever triple threat which is a speaker a producer and a channel partner suzanne and meredith worked closely on collaborating on this talk and they did a wonderful job and suzanne absolutely killed it on that stage so thank you so much for suzanne for the incredible story Our final speaker for the episode is Jenna Bradshaw from Speak Health on October 18th, 2023 from Massapequa, New York. Jenna Bradshaw was touched by cancer twice, once while she was just a child, and then again as a young adult. Unable to release this fear and constantly being stuck in warrior mode, she finally reached a point where change was imperative. Looking back on her life and all of the small breadcrumbs that led her to where she is today, healthy and cancer-free, The journey of coming back to wholeness and incorporating lifestyle changes truly helped her heal her body on a deep level. This Speak Talk is Jenna's personal journey through cancer and through healing, showing others they too can thrive in their health and lives. Here's Jenna Bradshaw with Putting the Warrior to Rest.
1: I want anyone who has been affected by cancer to raise their hand, whether it was you or someone you love. According to the American Cancer Society, in 2022, it was estimated that 1.9 million new cancer cases were diagnosed in the United States. I know that seems scary, but I want you all to know that cancer does not need to be a death sentence. It was around Christmas time. I was three and a half years old, and I had been sick for a few weeks. My parents were taking me back and forth to the doctors, but he didn't seem to be concerned. Fast forward, it was now just after New Year's and I still was not feeling well. I was as pale as a ghost, I didn't want to walk, and I had small bruising all over my body. My mom went back and insisted on blood work. The doctor immediately sent us over to Schneider's Children's Hospital. From there, they did a bone marrow aspiration from my hip without any anesthesia. And what my mom described as sticking a corkscrew into her young daughter's hip. As we await the results, a circle of five doctors surround us and one says, your daughter has leukemia and needs medical attention immediately. From there, I went into surgery for a metaport to administer chemotherapy, blood transfusions, and x-rays, and countless other treatments that I can't even pronounce. This is where my cancer journey begins. I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. I wonder from time to time what caused me to be diagnosed with cancer at such a young age. Throughout my research on the topic and what I discuss in my book, A Survivor Story, things like the environment, carcinogens, and viruses can destabilize our DNA and can cause cancer. What could I have been exposed to and these other young children that I was in the hospital with? This forced my family to find alternative measures. People don't seem to realize that things like Toxic relationships, to negative thoughts and emotions, stress, lack of sleep, foods we eat, and lack of self-love, all play a role on our health and well-being. At age 16, my mom graciously volunteered me to give a speech at a Children's Medical Foundation event people like Ray Romano and Elvis Costello were in the crowd. I had to give a speech about my story that I didn't even want to talk about to over a thousand businessmen and women. I froze. When I tell you all I remember is seeing my face plastered on eight plasma screen TVs, the rest is a blur. To my dismay, I received a standing ovation after the speech. Ironically enough, today, I stand before you all willingly sharing my story. Back then, I didn't want to talk about it. I was shy, angry, and I wanted to pretend that cancer didn't happen to me. After graduating high school, I went on to run track and field at Ithaca College and studied exercise science. Great education, however, they don't really teach you how to take care of yourself. One day, I suffered from a migraine, so I went to the health center. As she's feeling my lymph nodes, she works her way down to my neck, and her face changed. She told me that she didn't like what she was feeling on my thyroid, and I needed to see a local ENT like tomorrow. I did what she said. I got a cab without telling anyone by myself. All I wanted to do was finish up my junior year and compete in a state championship meet. God laughs at your plans. Well, it turns out I had a 4.3 centimeter nodule on the left side of my thyroid. Unsure if it was cancerous or not, I made it clear that I was not leaving college to go to another doctor's appointment. I just wanted to be a normal 20-year-old. After returning home, I went to see two different doctors. The first doctor's protocol was to remove the whole thyroid, take radioactive iodine, and be on medication for the rest of my life. My answer was no. My whole body cringed as he told me this. I went for a second opinion. This doctor's protocol was to remove half of the thyroid, no radioactive iodine, and no medication. Well, I knew my answer. Fun fact, you can function on one-third of your thyroid if you take care of yourself. June 2nd, 2014, I went in for surgery. Back to warrior mode. I couldn't eat or move, but I knew I had my mind. I would envision myself healthy, healed, and whole. Turns out, the brain is a super powerful tool because after three months of recovery, I was able to return back to school, run track and field, and finish up my senior year on time. To say that I brushed this off like nothing happened would be an understatement. I ignored my body and the trauma I endured, suffering with major migraines and neck pain, just pushing through but the body always keeps the score. It started with a yoga practice. It spoke to my soul. This then developed into a meditation practice. And from there, learning about holism, it finally clicked. Everything is connected. Our mind, body, and soul all one. This led me to take a deep dive into Eastern medicine, acupuncture, energy healing, sound healing, breath work, and so much more that we are not taught. All things that have truly helped heal my body on such a deep level. It was 2020, and I was going for an annual oncology checkup. And again, I noticed the nurse's face. I had a complete mental breakdown absolutely inconsolable and hyperventilating in the doctor's office. I thought that warrior Jenna was going to be able to take a break, but she had to come back out again. They found a nodule on the right side of the thyroid and a spot on the left lymph node. As I sat in my car that day, sobbing, I had this sense of peace wash over me and knowing that all was going to be okay. In June 2023, I celebrated my 10 year health anniversary. <laughs> this leads me to the second part of my journey learning about the innate wisdom that each of us have within us to heal our bodies and teaching others how to do that. Cancer has taught me six significant lessons. Come back to wholeness. Fear sucks the life out of your soul. Give and receive love from a full cup. Take your power back. Be your own patient advocate. Clean up your internal and external environment. And miracles happen every day. I don't just need to survive in this life. Fear doesn't need to hold me back. Being a warrior doesn't define me. And cancer is only a part of my story. I can thrive, do the things that I love, and help others. Thank you.
0: That was Jenna Bradshaw with Putting the Warrior to Rest. Jenna did such an incredible job on this talk, and that was, by the way, Jenna's first time on the stage giving a talk like that. So a big round of virtual applause for Jenna Bradshaw and what she pulled off in this talk. These three incredible published speakers dealt with unrelenting adversity and just turned it around in these incredible, hopeful and inspiring stories that they shared with us today. So I thank the three of them, most of all, for the amount of hope that they give our audience through these talks. That does it for this episode of the Speak Podcast. Join us again next week and make sure to keep an eye on the events coming up for Speak. This week alone, we have Speak Neurodiversity as this is being recorded. That is on November 15th at the Gene Rimsky Theater in Port Washington, New York. We have November 30th, our one-year anniversary show, Speak Growth at the Nutty Irishman in Farmingdale, New York. And then we begin our series of speak at the studio shows, which take place in the home studio at our headquarters in our event space. An incredible series of events coming up. And there are tickets available for those. We do have limited seating in the studio for those events. So log on to our website and get tickets as soon as you can because they are on sale for those series of events. We'll see you next week, guys. Speak Podcast is brought to you by Lunchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by Fred P. Banning, Jason Martin, and George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Champions Day, is by Lupus Nocti. Incidental music, Melting Places, is by Andreas Kantu. Music and sound effects licensed through epidemic sound. The Speak Podcast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple
2: Podcasts while you're at it. Follow speak at speak underscore event on Twitter
0: and at speakevent on all other social media platforms. Visit our website, speakevent.com for upcoming events, channel partner, sponsorship, and speak at work opportunities, and follow all the grid podcasts produced by Lunchpad 516 Studios.